Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you first? It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. That's good. How are you feeling, Marcus? I feel okay. You feel okay? Yeah, I feel all right. Feeling a little fuzzy today, but that's fine. Why are you feeling fuzzy? I don't know, man. I'm just a fuzzy boy. He's a fuzzy boy. That's disgusting. <laughs> Remember those little fuzzy things with the with the uh, with the feet that the, the, uh, you had to peel off the sticker, and then they would sit on your desk. The little feet with the fuzzies. I have no idea what you're talking fuzzy about. Fuzzy feet. <laughs> you don't remember fuzzy feet? No. Oh, they, if you did well on an exam, you got one. I never got any. Ah, uh, that's all right. You know the fuzzy feet. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. I'm typing in fuzzy feet and finding nothing. What do you mean? You know the little. It's the. They were purple or red. They were just little fuzzballs with the with the feet, and then you you peeled off the sticker, and they would sit on your desk. The fuzzy feet. How the? I don't want to get into it. It, it doesn't all right, matter. All right, we got a lot right. to get into. We uh, do have a lot to get into. It's been a hell of a week, as always. As always, Donald Trump has had, uh, is on his first uh, foreign trip. He chose to go to the Middle East to start things off because it's easy that's that is simple if he thought being president was difficult negotiating with congress uh wait until he meets uh with middle eastern uh leaders and realizes how difficult it is for them to negotiate on a global level no, as opposed to a national level no it's great he went to uh, saudi arabia first right. the uh one of the only places where protesting is illegal mm-hmm. and one of his aides said you know what it's great that there's no protesters out here absolutely and that's because it's punishable by death there that's absolutely correct and of course they do uh, religious checkpoints in Saudi Arabia. You have to be uh, Muslim in order to pass through. Christians not allowed in many places. And uh, their treatment of women is uh, less than exemplary, to say the <laughs> least, uh, despite what Ivanka Trump said on uh, on her trip. That was Saturday, May 20th. He was in Saudi Arabia. So what happened during his visit to the birthplace of Islam? President Trump pivoted from his previous assessment of Islam as a religion of hatred and sought to rally the Muslim world to join the United States in fighting extremism. Uh, There he met with King Solomon of Saudi Arabia and uh, Mr. Trump and the First Lady joined the Saudi royal family for dinner. Of course, one of the interesting things about all of this is, recall the 2016 uh, campaign. Hillary Clinton was blasted for her relationship with the Saudi uh, family, uh, taking a lot of money for the Clinton Foundation from the Saudi royal family. And of course, 17 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 were from Saudi Arabia. So a, a point that Donald Trump made time and time again uh, regarding his disdain for the Saudi government and for the Saudi royal family. Uh, Times have changed. Apparently, Donald Trump has wilted under the pressure and not only wilted under the pressure, literally curtsied (laughs) under the pressure. And I'm not going to get into the optics. uh, You know, I mean, people demonized uh, Barack Obama for a meeting with the... um, uh, I believe it was the a traditional Japanese bow yes. uh, that he gave, and people were like, look at this sellout to the American people. It, it's a very difficult position for a person to be in, and, uh, you know, so he did look a little goofy, but I'm not going to say that that was the worst thing that Donald Trump has ever done. No, it's like, what is he going to say? Like, yeah, I don't do that. 
I don't exactly. You have <laughs> yeah, to do it. Yeah, you got to you got to do it. I mean, that's just part of foreign diplomacy. At this know? point, he hasn't uh, uh, choked on a pretzel uh, like <laughs> W. Bush or like H. W. Bush vomited all over a foreign leader because he had food poisoning uh, on account of bad sushi. So he hasn't done that quite yet. Not quite yet. Uh, on Sunday, May twenty first, he stayed in Saudi Arabia. He met with leaders of the Gulf Coalition, including Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Kuwait. Oman, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates. He attended a lot of meetings uh, with leaders from across the Muslim world. He gave a speech about Islam, toured a new center to fight radicalism, uh, and was scheduled to participate in a conference about social media, but Ivanka Trump spoke instead, and that's where she made her um, less-than-accurate statements regarding Mm -hmm. women and their treatment uh, when it comes to Saudi Arabia and uh, the royal family. Yeah, and that's when isn't that when uh, Trump dropped out on day two of his uh, trip? was exhausted. He was exhausted. Oh my oh. God, he's so exhausted. He was tired. And with a big old <laughs> bumble butt like that, it gets hard to carry it around. Uh, um, I honestly believe uh, this is not. Uh, he hasn't done as poorly as some people would have uh, expected or some, uh, sad enough to say, would have liked to see him do up to this point. He's currently uh, in Vatican City, and uh, there is no love lost between he and Pope Francis. But quite frankly, it's kind of nice to see Pope Francis upset. <laughs> uh, I don't mind. He is so upset. <laughs> he God, does. he's so upset that the picture of uh, Donald Trump, they're all wearing black. Yes. Uh, Donald Trump smiling, Melania looking miserable, Ivanka looking like her soul has left her body yes. and the Pope looking very unhappy to be standing next to all of them. And of course, uh, you know, one of the criticisms again in the 2016 campaign that Donald Trump constantly uh, spewed from his mouth was that Hillary Clinton uh, did not have the stamina mm-hmm. uh, to be president of the United States. And of course, sure enough, uh, it is proving to be rhetoric as opposed to reality uh, because it turns out he might not be the one who can uh, handle the pressure of a full on Middle Eastern trip, specifically his first trip and also his staffers according to a white house insider they are keeping him extremely busy so he can't tweet uh, <laughs> and that's true apparently that's what a white house a white house staffer said so uh, we are living in the world of veep basically it <laughs> oh, is it, yeah. it is a satire uh, but unfortunately it is uh, it has manifested itself right here in the world. They have to keep his little hands occupied? They have to. So he doesn't tweet? So he doesn't make a fucking fool of himself (laughs) and the country? Keep him busy. (laughs) Exactly what my parents did to me and exactly whatever good teacher I had. uh, They forced me to stay busy uh, so that I wouldn't draw on my desk because unfortunately we didn't have Twitter back then or thankfully we didn't have Twitter back then because I have no idea the uh, Rage Against the Machine lyrics that I would be tweeting out (laughs) on a regular basis. 14, 15 year old uh, Ben Kissel. It's like giving a little kid a magazine on a long road trip so he doesn't kick your seat. Yep, that's basically it. Uh, take his shoes. He won't kick. He won't kick the seat if he has no shoes. His his toes will break. Uh, May twenty second, um, this past Monday, he was in Israel and the West Bank uh, on his first day of a two day trip. Mr. Trump told Israeli officials he was deeply encouraged by his conversations in Saudi Arabia regarding peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Isn't that when he said he just got back from the Middle East? I think so. Uh, he, 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 uh, there is a. It's difficult. Showed up in. Israel's like, I just got back from the Middle East. It's nice to be here. Where are we? (laughs) 
Ah, well, I guess we didn't quite get out. We took a plane ride. Usually I go to a different place. So, uh, so he, there he greeted uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and other Israeli officials upon uh, his arrival in Tel Aviv before flying via helicopter to Jerusalem, uh, which now he has backtracked on a campaign promise to move the capital of Israel to Jerusalem that is mm-hmm. no longer on the forefront of his foreign policy agenda. Uh, and that angered quite a few of the people who voted for him from the religious right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, for those that don't know, just a very brief history on all of that, the religious right, the evangelical Christians, do believe that there will be the second coming of Jesus Christ only when uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and basically the Palestinians have been wiped off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the evangelical Christians will go and theoretically wipe the Jewish individuals off the face of the planet, and then Jesus comes back and, you know what? It makes no rational sense. No. But nonetheless, he has backtracked on uh, making uh, Jerusalem the capital. Was that also the same day that he all but confirmed that Israel was the source of the intelligence that he shared with the Russians? Well, he said that he didn't mention the name Israel when discussing the uh, intelligence that he's received to the Russians. Uh-huh. I didn't so, mention the. I said I didn't. I didn't mention the word Israel. Yes. I didn't mention the word uh, is Jesus. He didn't and, mention and it. Did you see Benjamin Netanyahu shuffling, just like just the look of horror on his face? Just shit, well, get out, get out of here, you know, get out of here. And I gotta say, I don't like when people in this country demonize Donald Trump when it comes to his relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu. For those that don't recall, Netanyahu's campaign when he beat this guy Herzog, he ran one of the most Islamophobic campaigns in the history of the world, and uh, he went so far right. Benjamin Netanyahu is no saint; uh, he's got blood on oh, his no. hands, and he's done some really atrocious things uh, to the Palestinian people. Of course, again, uh, to be keep it fair, the Palestinian people uh, and many people uh, in the Middle East want to eradicate uh, Israel as a state. So yeah. I understand, again, that's why the tensions are so unbelievably high, because it's not just uh, we don't like one another. They want to eradicate one another. Mm. So it's very serious. And that's why um, Donald Trump uh, is proclaiming that he would somehow be able to reach a peace deal. Uh, with his first trip is is fairly asinine on par uh, with Jimmy Carter. Um, Okay, so he also met with President uh, Reuven Rivlin of Israel at his residence, visited the Church of the Holy, uh, I think it's Sepulcher, and became the first sitting president of the United States to visit the Western Wall. And you wonder if he got some good ideas. Uh, the president and the first lady are also at dinner with Mr. Netanyahu and his wife, Sarah. Did he think, he's like, how the, how'd you get the Mexicans to pay for this? <laughs> Did he, now, how, Benjamin, BB, tell me, how'd you get the Mexicans to pay for this? <laughs> what are you talking about, Donald? <laughs> uh, Tuesday, May 23rd, he was in uh, Israel and the West Bank as well. Uh, he was expected to meet with Mahmoud Abbas. Mahmoud pa- Abbas. Mahmoud Abbas, thank you, Marcus. The Palestinian leader, uh, Mr. Trump, has said he wants to uh, broker a bigger and better better deal uh, he just it's gonna be beautiful it's a bigger and better deal okay between the israelis and the See, palestinians that, that's been that's what we've been missing from this whole israeli palestinian negotiation yeah. process is a bigger and better deal but what does that mean i don't know right now the font right now your deal the font of your deal is a 12 and we were to make this a 16 font that makes it bigger yeah. and then we'll make it better by a larger paper yeah that's what we've been missing in the negotiation process is used car salesman lingo hey that's good. I love a good used car. He did meet with Mr. Abbas. Uh, he laid a wreath at the Holocaust Memorial Museum, uh, and he gave a speech at the Israel uh, Museum before departing to Rome, uh, which is where he is at today. Uh, he is meeting with Pope Francis, and of course, you know, the future is just, 
it is what it is. It mm-hmm. is dumb. They had a Twitter feud. Yes. Uh, if those that don't recall, and again in two thousand in the two thousand and sixteen campaign, Donald Trump got into a fight with the Pope <laughs> uh, via Twitter, and this is the first time they're meeting. And judging from the pictures, uh, the Pope takes his Twitter feuds seriously. The Pope did not forget. The president of the United States calling him disgraceful no, uh, on a uh, platform that is uh, disgraceful. But I kind of do enjoy the United States president pissing off the Pope. Yeah, I mean, I kind of enjoy that, too. <laughs> I mean, we all, the, the, the 14-year-oldness loves that. Right. Uh, but it just isn't necessarily the, the best thing for the leader of the free world to be engaged in. Yes, yeah, so now he's meeting with the Pope at the Vatican, and he's, uh, he's touring St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, he is going to, uh, to head all around there. And, uh, and then he arrives in Brussels later on this week where he is uh, supposed to meet with European officials uh, and lunch with President Emmanuel Macron of France, of course, the newly elected uh, president who uh, Donald Trump actively supported his opponent, uh, Le Pen. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Barack Obama actively supported Emmanuel Macron. 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 I don't know how to say it. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people, uh, especially on the right, the ones who are defending Donald Trump regarding this whole Russian probe that's happening, which again is a moot point if it does turn out that he attempted to halt the uh, process of the investigation when asking James Comey to cut it out, you know, when it comes to Michael Flynn, because that's obstruction of justice. So it doesn't even matter anymore uh, if there is a Russian tie uh, with the Trump campaign in 2016, because now we're on to a whole nother Nixonian-like level. Although, as I've said on uh, national television multiple times, even the Saturday Night Massacre, uh, where Nixon fired a huge majority of individuals who were investigating him, he didn't fire the head of the FBI. No. Uh, So in some ways, it's a disservice to to Richard Nixon uh, to equate uh, Donald Trump uh, to him. Uh, but anyway, so that is uh, that's He's a whole sullying other- Nixon's good name. I guess so, <laughs> in a strange way. But a lot of people on the right, uh, when hearing about Russian collusion with the Trump campaign, have demonized Barack Obama for being so active in the French election, and they don't quite see the difference. And in some ways, I can understand where they're coming from. Was this uh, the United States? Of course, Barack Obama was not a sitting uh, U.S. president. He was just a civilian, and at yeah. the end of the day, he's allowed to have any political views that he wants to have. But of course, he's a former president of the United States. And uh, so people say, is that not fiddling uh, with a foreign election? Uh, Barack Obama actively campaigning uh, against uh, Le Pen and for Macron. Well, didn't uh, Nigel Farage from the UK come over to the United States and actively campaign for Donald Trump? Boris Johnson the exact uh, same way. And of course, uh, Donald Trump, well in office, did uh, support Le Pen. So that argument falls apart immediately. Well, uh, you know, but of course, with the Russian collusion, the only thing that really sticks in my mind is Michael Flynn if they actually turned him and made him a double agent or if he had more loyalty to the Russian government uh, than the United States government and uh, we don't have to rehash all of that with the December 21st sanctions put on uh, the Russians December 21st from Barack Obama Michael Flynn telling the Russians that don't worry about it as soon as Donald Trump is in office those sanctions will be wiped away Barack Obama still a sitting U.S. president at the time that's where we really start to see some of the meat uh, in the scandal when it comes to the Russian collusion but yes to your point you can actively campaign uh, for individuals that you want to see elected all around the world. Yeah. I mean, what was that? Did you watch any of uh, Brennan's um, testimony yesterday? Yes, of course. John Brennan, he was the former head of the CIA. Uh, he basically just came out and said uh, that he believes there was collusion uh, with the Russian government regarding Michael Flynn in the 2016 campaign. And of course, we're not going to get the answer from Michael Flynn himself because he has pled the fifth, mm-hmm. uh, well, which uh, we have. If we want to if we want to live in the perfect world that we pretend to live in, although we don't pretend 
tend to live in it. Um, but if we want to live in a perfect world, we say, oh, he's just exercising his constitutional right. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest, the majority of people will believe that that means he's guilty. Well, in the words of the president and uh, various yes. other people, in, in the words of the president and himself. Yes. And himself. Michael Flynn himself. But, yeah, yes. pleading, pleading the fifth, like, makes you, it really makes you look guilty. Uh, and Brennan yep. said something really interesting in the hearing uh, when he was saying that uh, the Russians are very good about turning someone into an agent without that person even knowing it. Sort of a frog in slowly boiling water, right? Yes. And yeah. then at some point you realize that you're in so deep and the barbs are in so far that if you do want to get out, you're going to lose your whole throat anyway. Yeah. And uh, you might as well just stay on the hook. Yeah, uh, it, it's very that's very interesting. Uh, and yeah. it and it, you know, I think it does speak towards these people. I think if it does end up being that there was some sort of collusion, I don't think that there is like an intent to betray America. Uh, I think these people just got in way too deep. That does not make it right. And they should still be punished for that if that is the case. Uh, but well, I really don't I don't think that we're dealing with uh, an, an evil empire here. I don't think I we're don't dealing think with movie te with movie villains. No, I, I don't think that Michael Flynn thought that Donald Trump was going to win. You know, <laughs> And you are allowed to register as a foreign agent. There is nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's not a legal. You're not supposed to lie about it. Though. You're not supposed to lie about it. Yeah. And you're not supposed to lie to the vice president about it. If he lied to the vice president about it at all. I have a theory that I believe Mike Pence is one is one of the individuals was doing an immense amount of the leaking because, as you always say, qui bono. Qui bono. And I do believe he wants to be the president of the United States, as every politician in their right mind would want to be, uh, specifically if they want to get into national politics the way that they obviously do. Well, it's, fair. it's also possible that Pence could be wrapped up in all this as well. Who I mean, knows? It's, it's possible that a lot of these guys could be wrapped up in it. It's possible that a lot of people in the Republican Party has been wrapped up. I mean, that's what we've been saying yeah. for, for months now about this Russia stuff, uh, is you know, we've, we're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of smoke, not necessarily any fire, but the fire is starting to show itself, or at the very least, like you said, the fire is shifting because now the question is obstruction. Even well, if yeah. Donald Trump was trying to quash all this just so he wouldn't have to deal with it anymore, so he could get it out of the headlines, that's still obstruction of an investigation. Absolutely. And of course, you look at uh, Representative Jason Chaffetz, who is deciding to resign his extremely senior position in the Republican Party uh, to go spend more time with his family. All of a sudden, he loves them. Um, and I'm sure he's always loved them. I'm not going to demonize the man's personal uh, relationship, <laughs> but it does seem a little bit uh, strange. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things happening, and we will find out a heck of a lot more as soon as James Comey sits down and uh, testifies in front of the Senate. Uh, that will be fascinating, and he'll be under oath. And, um, of course, he did come out May 3rd and say that Donald Trump had not pressured him uh, when it comes to the investigation. A lot of time has passed since then, mm -hmm. and uh, it is possible that he was just trying to protect the agency, protect the investigation, and protect the underlings around him uh, and under him. So we'll have a lot. We, we don't know the answer uh, to that quite yet, but we're going to know again as soon as he testifies. And uh, that could be the beginning. And as we've said before, it is not the fire that kills the majority of people in a fire. It is the smoke. Yep. You, you die of uh, in smoke inhalation and you literally choke uh, before you can even become burned alive. And you wonder if this is just enough smoke that would constantly lead to such a constant slow suffocation of the Trump administration uh, that he can no longer be effective and would be forced to uh, resign even if not impeached. Ugh, did you hear who they're uh, probably going to replace uh, Chavitz with? Who? Gowdy. Oh, Trey Gowdy. That's oh, great. That Weird-headed asshole. Yep, former prosecutor. Uh, I believe he's out of Texas. Uh, that might not be correct. I think that he is. Uh, I've never liked him. Uh, he's one of these guys who's trying to make a name for himself in every single Senate hearing, and uh, he wants to get his political agenda across 
far more, uh, which is far more important to him than getting the truth out of the people that he's talking with. And he's not even taking all this shit seriously. During the uh, Brennan hearings, uh, it was his turn to speak, and he was talking to somebody else, uh, and they said, excuse me, uh, Mr. Gowdy, it's, you know, it's your turn. And he says, oh, excuse me, I was colluding with one of my colleagues. Well, it's his like, na- you fucking dickhead, take this seriously. He has been, Please. Uh, he has been uh, one of the names implicated in, in possibly the Russian collusion scandal, and we're going to, there's, like you just said, uh, there's a lot of people uh, that could be involved in this web, and we're going to get to the bottom of it at some point as soon as uh, we get these individuals who know more things than we know testified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on uh, Friday, uh, Donald Trump will be in Sicily, Saturday, Sicily, and then he is back here in the United States of America. Which brings us to the budget, uh, Donald Trump's budget. A lot of uh, people on both the right and the left are quite confused. Marcus has a couple of different stats, but first I just want to read this little article uh, from the New York Times. It's written by Patricia Cohen and Nelson Schwartz. I'll just read the first like four paragraphs or so. Um, let's see. It says, if one, if one assumption has uh, undergirded Republican economic policies for decades and is the foundation of the Trump administration's first budget proposal, it is that tax cuts will unleash fantastic growth. The basic idea is that shrinking the government's share increases what people take home, encouraging workers to work more and investors to invest more. But while taxes can, in, uh, can create incentives uh, that can promote growth, liberal and conservative economists alike said that there was no evidence that the White House budget announced on Tuesday would do so. The assumed effects on growth are just a, are just huge and unwarranted. This is uh, said by William G. Gale, a co-director of the nonpartisan Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center and a former economic advisor to the first president, George Bush. So certainly no left-leaning liberal here. This no. is a conservative um, saying the assumed effects on growth are just huge and unwarranted. The Trump administration promises to cut taxes, keep revenue steady, and crank out an average annual economic growth of 3%, but neither the budget nor the tax reforms previously outlined in sketchy form provide enough detail to figure out if that will happen. While the United States cruised along with 3% growth and higher in the late 1990s and mid-2000s, growth has not reached anywhere near that level since well before the recession. The best showing in the past decade was in 2015 when the annual rate of expansion hit 2.6 percent. So in other words, in order for Donald Trump's budget to be self-sustainable at all, we need to have a 3 percent growth. And it doesn't seem as if that's feasible or rational by the majority of economists and both the right and the left. Well, right now, the Congressional Budget Office, their forecast over the next few years, 1.6 percent. Okay, one point of what we would need uh, to cover the costs of this outrageous budget. And I believe it would raise by 2036, 20 trillion dollars to the deficit and five trillion dollars within the next 10 years. So it doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense right now. It has passed the House. And a lot of people say by the time the bill gets to the Senate, it's going to be completely Different. It's going to be completely strange, uh, completely uh, changed from what the budget is now. Very similar to what has happened um, w- with Donald Trump and uh, and the health care uh, plan. It passed. It passed the House, and then in order for yeah. it to pass the Senate, it's going to have to be completely altered. And that's my question. Maybe you can answer this for me because it kind of seems like the House just rolls through whatever yeah. is put for, put forth in front of them. They don't do any sort of debate. Uh, they don't really. It seems like they don't really care. They just put along whatever the 
party puts in front of him, and then the real work is done in the Senate. Is that how it's all? Is that how it's always been? I don't recall there being such a difference between plans from the House to the Senate as in this administration. Yeah, uh, and it does seem like you just said. It does seem as if the House is just so desperate to be looking like a functioning body of government that they're willing to just pass anything through. Yeah. And honestly, it's it like, puts it's the not senators, their problem anymore. It's not their problem anymore, and it puts senators such as uh, Senate Leader Mitch McConnell in a very precarious position because at the end of the day, they're going to be the one uh, shouldering and harboring the vast majority of the blame on a national level when these things actually do get passed and when we see a uh, massive increase in the deficit and uh, a low and slow economic growth. The Senate will be the ones uh, taking the majority of the blame. So they're really in a precarious position here with the uh, House just sort of Dare I say willy-nilly. I don't want to channel my own, uh, my inner John Kasich, but uh, with them sort of flippantly passing uh, these bills. And I think they're just, they need to legitimize the Trump administration. They need to legitimize Donald Trump as a president. And I think they're doing their best uh, to help him out in that regard. Because, of course, as we were just talking about, this Russian scandal has been there since day one in order to discredit his presidency. And rightfully so, perhaps, perhaps not rightfully so, depending on what side you're on. But this is sort of their way of attempting to normalize uh, a Donald Trump administration. Oh, it is rightfully so. Uh, I think it is absolutely rightfully so because it just shows the lack of oversight, the lack of foresight uh, when he was filling his cabinet full of people from the very beginning. It just well, shows incompetence but again and again. And that's maybe that's why the Republicans are passing things through the House because they want to pat him on the head and show that he is not a complete and total failure. We do some have ways. somebody like Noam Chomsky, though, however, who did come out and say he doesn't really care about the Russian scandal. You know, so I mean, it is. Well, I ain't Noam Chomsky. Thank God. <laughs> he's so smart. I hear he's wears glasses. Uh, no, he is a very smart guy. I don't know. I yeah. feel like we put these people on too many pedestals, quite yeah. frankly. He's just a human being who has some uh, thoughts, uh, political thoughts, and some are wrong and some are right. So uh, let's just go in a little bit here of a rundown of the budget. Uh, the Department of Defense, they have $574 billion coming their way. It's the highest since 2016, and it is up. Uh, Department of Homeland Security will have $44.1 billion coming their way, and that's the highest since 2016. I want to talk briefly about a man who is now being promoted. It is Sheriff David Clark. He is going to be uh, appointed to a senior position in the Homeland Security Department. Now, he is a former, or I believe the current sheriff of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, there, uh, there is no shortage of scandals when it comes to this man. Uh, There was an incident that happened in a jail in Milwaukee, and this happened to a man, uh, Terrell Thomas. He was a 38-year-old inmate with bipolar disorder. He died in 2016 while awaiting trial in solitary confinement in a jail Sheriff Clark Overseas, Evidently, what happened uh, was they cut off water for a week Hmm. uh, to this individual who was in solitary confinement for over a week. They shut off the water. And uh, and of course, yeah, you die. That's what happens uh, to human beings when they lose water. David Clark, uh, of course, he's all over Fox News on a regular basis. I'm not sure when the hell he sheriffs. 
Uh, and the individuals of Milwaukee certainly have no love lost uh, for this man. And he is being promoted uh, by uh, the Trump administration, again, to a senior position uh, in the Homeland Security Department. And I want to talk a little bit later uh, in the show, perhaps after this, uh, about uh, Jeff Sessions and what they're doing, as I mentioned on this week's Dumpster Fire Chats, with arresting more illegal or undocumented uh, individuals than ever, with 40,000 arrests. Uh, already at this time in 2017. At this time in 2016, there was 31,000 arrests. And of course, Barack Obama was not lovingly coined deporter-in-chief. Uh, but what, what was the difference? He deported them. And what's happening now under Jeff Sessions with 12% of the private prisons, it's the GO Group and Core Civic. They are both in Jeff Sessions' portfolios. Of course, these are very diverse portfolios, and a lot of people are trying to uh, make it seem as if it's not so nefarious that he is obviously financially benefiting uh, from having stake in these private prisons. But what is interesting is that they are deporting less and arresting more. The vast majority of undocumented people that are that live in this country go to the private prisons, which make up 19 percent of total prisoners across the country, although they are only 12 percent of the entire U.S. Uh, prison systems. Uh, and so in my personal opinion, this is proof that uh, they understand uh, how to get free labor, how to get cheap labor, and you think individuals in the prison system who are American citizens, you think that they get treated poorly, uh, and theoretically they live under the Constitution of the United States, imagine when an undocumented, or in their words, illegal alien, imagine how they get treated, and of course that's why there's the federal lawsuit from undocumented people suing uh, the private prison industry for slave labor. This makes me ill. It, and it absolutely should. I mean, this is one of the, like, this is a truly nefarious, truly evil action. Jeff Sessions knows where his money comes from. Absolutely. He's in criminal justice. Of course he knows that he is invested in private prisons. Yep. Of course he knows. Of course. And his actions are directly... Uh, that have actual direct consequences on how much money his, he makes. Hey, we, his government yeah. job has a direct correlation with how much money his investments make. This should be illegal. It's not illegal, well, and yet it is. It, it is not illegal. He, this is, he's not doing anything objectively wrong We talk here. about the emoluments clause on a regular basis regarding the Trump administration, Donald Trump, uh, and, of course, Jared Kushner and the, I believe it was $110 billion uh, contract with the Saudis and those sorts of things. But Jeff Sessions um, is certainly it is legal and uh, you and you really do wonder if it should be and you wonder if this was the plan all along right well you know, of course I mean, I mean this it, is his whole thing yeah I mean not just with him but overall um, also, yeah. all of this I mean they're they're choosing this administration is choosing again and again to profit off the misery of others absolutely I they mean, are you not can't doing, deny it. they are not doing anything but Except perhaps adding a few air conditioner jobs. Yep. They are not doing anything to make the lives of Americans better. What they're doing is they are marching us towards a capitalist dystopia where all of us are just workers that are making the people up top money. It is get, The gap is getting further and further. The gap is getting wider and wider. All of these big uh, the defense... Uh, Budget. The, the, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. The defense budget is starting to get out of control. People are praising Trump for selling all these weapons to the Saudi Arabians. Is that what we want to be? Do we just right. want to be a war machine? Do we just want to build walls? Do we just want to build pipelines? Is that who we want to well, be as there, a people? There is no denying the republic is quickly becoming an oligarchy, and uh, that is where... Uh, we have to participate in the local democratic process that happens in all of our towns and get these people out of office. 
Yeah. It can happen, and uh, that's the only way uh, that we're going to see any change. Uh, speaking of which, Georgia, uh, it, it is June 20th. That is their runoff election. Ossoff is running, and forgetting the name of the woman that he is running against, he is the Democrat, uh, she's the Republican. He seems to be up by seven points right now, but as we learned in 2016, don't trust the polls. you got to go to the polls in order to make sure that the person that you support actually achieves victory. Um, and uh, quickly, just back to the uh, illegal uh, or undocumented uh, individuals, uh, 11,000 of the 40,000 that have been arrested under the Sessions Justice Department are guilty of no crimes other than being here and a lot of people who are very staunch um, anti-immigrant uh, or anti uh, undocumented immigrants would say just them being here is illegal. I told a story on uh, on the Dumpster Fire Chats about a woman uh, who is married to a man who is a, uh, is a U.S. resident. She's got three uh, children. She will be deported and she's going to bring her two-year-old with her. She's leaving an, uh, an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old, a girl and a boy. Uh, this woman uh, was arrested and detained at well shopping at a, at a supermarket. Did nothing wrong. Um, and she will be uh, forced to go back to Mexico. And as we talked about on the last episode, 23,000 people died uh, in 2016 in Mexico because of their massive drug war. And uh, the same numbers for Barack Obama, it was roughly 4,500 uh, individuals that were uh, undocumented individuals who were picked up who didn't have any violent crime or committed any crimes whatsoever. Uh, so that was 2016, and this is 2017. And you, th- you tell me those numbers in 2016, and I, th- I think those are atrocious, so you can imagine uh, how atrocious I believe these new numbers uh, to be. It's not about protecting Americans. It's about making money. About and making don't fucking money. kid yourself if Absolutely. you think it's any different. Billions and billions and billions of dollars and goods and the sad thing is we're probably using a good that was made by a prisoner uh, or a a slave uh, in many ways uh, on a daily basis and you know we talked about it uh, briefly on uh, on last podcast on the left today in South Carolina for example and there was an, I think it was dumpster fire chest but before I lifted a whole bunch of stuff uh, South Carolina had had a contract with Victoria's Secret uh, for it for that whole for a long time so I mean it's just how bizarre um, them making lingerie that you give to your loved one on a uh, on a Valentine's Day or a special holiday. Um, so anyway, let's go back to the budget a little bit. Department of Veterans Affairs has $78.9 billion. Uh, that is up 5.9% under Donald Trump. Uh, and it's the highest since 1982. I personally don't have a problem with this. This is good. Uh, we have to reform the VA, and hopefully this money just isn't lost in the bureaucracy of every other government uh, organization. Um, and hopefully we can actually get these soldiers uh, the mental health that they need and, uh, and really you know assimilate them back into society and just treat them with the utmost respect because they uh, they didn't cause the wars. They go and they fight on behalf of, uh, of the individuals that do, and many of them are staunch anti-war activists as yeah. soon as they come back, um, and, and, and they're, they're just human beings I would uh, and, love, and, and heroes. I would love if mental health became the forefront. I would love if mental health got a lot more funding in the Department of Veterans Affairs, but I don't hold out hope. Uh, this is not an administration uh, that enjoys talking about mental health. This is not an administration that thinks that mental health is important in any way whatsoever. Well, hopefully they can uh, live up to the standards that they've said that they wanted to live up to regarding our veterans. I hope so. Um, the EPA will see its lowest uh, budget since 1982. That's $5.7 billion. Keep in mind, again, there are the Flint, Michigans all over the country that do not have clean drinking water. I don't know if this is the time to cut the EPA, although I do agree that there is a bureaucracy with the EPA that has uh, funneled a lot of money to a lot of people and a lot of organizations and haven't done anything to actually curb 
uh, pollution uh, and things like that because these crises have been going on for decades now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the EPA, I'm a bit conflicted on in some ways. On its face, I would love to, of environmental protection, of course, um, but where is the money actually going? And uh, now they're not going to do anything. They're going to lift a lot of the restrictions and things like that on uh, greenhouse gases and uh, industries, which is why Wall Street is absolutely thrilled with this budget, by the way. It went through the roof. Um, let's see. The Department of State and U.S. aid is uh, $25.6 billion, the lowest since 2007. Department of Agriculture, $17.9 billion, lowest since 1982. And Marcus, you did a little research on this. This would be food stamps yes. and things like that. Yeah, the majority of uh, the Department of Agriculture's budget is uh, nutritional health assistance programs, uh, okay. which includes food Food stamps, SNAP, uh, stuff like that. Okay. And I'm sure Head Start would be in there. Some of the things that honestly uh, just helped out every single foster brother and sister that I had uh, growing up. A lot of these really crucial programs. You start cutting those. Well, you know what? Uh, It's a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. They're going to end up in jails. And uh, the whole vicious cycle of the prison industrial complex continues. Okay, Department of Labor is at $9.6 billion. That's the lowest since 1982. And Department of Justice is $16.2 billion, the lowest since 1994. Department of Health and Human Services is at the lowest since 2000, $65.1 billion. Department of Commerce, lowest since 2011 with $7.8 billion. And Department of Education. Oh, goodness. $59 billion lowest since 2001, down 13% uh, from Barack Obama. And uh, Department of Transportation, $16.2 billion, lowest since uh, 2016. And Department of Housing and Urban Development, lowest since 2015 with $31.7 billion. So uh, they are cutting a lot. But there is, and with, and with the tax cuts and all these cuts, there is just not going to be enough money. No. And that's why everyone, uh, every economist, is completely uh, befuddled by how this can be a conservative plan. There's nothing conservative about it whatsoever. They are spending like the liberal Democrats that the conservatives uh, believe to be socialists. 10% up on Department of Defense. 10%. And uh, to give you an idea, every percentage point of extra military spending costs you 6 billion dollars six billion dollars per percentage point why do we need more military right although why Hen- do we need that henry zabrowski will be happy with nasa's budget it's 19.1 billion it's down 0.5 never a straight <laughs> answer henry doesn't like him one bit no it's only it's only down 0.8 yeah. percent so we're, so we're still uh, that that to me was the most surprising one they're like nasa yeah keep it the way it keep is. it a little bit I like, wa- I like space i like shuttles i like rockets you know he likes rockets in space <laughs> and shuttles so this budget anything is- that looks like a big cock <laughs> <laughs> so the budget is is confusing a lot of people and again it passed the house but will it pass the senate i apologize that i just regaled you with so many boring numbers um but it is kind of fascinating to to see what uh the donald trump presidency is is looking like now uh as someone uh who constantly he was never tethered to low government spending he was never tethered uh, to any of the actual conservative economic roots that the uh, republican party norquist mm-hmm. uh the, the norquist grover. yeah grover norquist you know he was never tethered to those uh, those ideas um and we're seeing it with this extremely bloated uh budget 
And uh, like Marcus just said, a 10% uh, rise in the defense budget in military, we don't need it. We have so much, we have so many military goods, and what happens is, well, as we've talked about previously on the, uh, on the show, the military doesn't even want half of this stuff. They are like, don't give us this budget. We don't need more tanks. We don't need more things. But those tanks aren't biodegradable, and they end up going into the streets of all of our small, uh, small hometowns all across the country. That's why my hometown of Stevens Point has a freaking tank, even though nothing has ever happened in this hometown that would warrant uh, a tank. Uh, but that is the 1033 program that was put in place in the mid-90s that allowed local police precincts to purchase over uh, overstock military goods so the military can just sell brand new equipment to our local police precincts and that's what's leading to this really dystopian uh, world where the police are militarized the residents are militarized we have 280 million guns in this country an average of 88 percent 88 per 100 people Uh, and I believe there's only uh, 190 million gun owners so the majority of people have more than one gun so we have a militarized population we have a militarized police and that's what's leading to so much of this unrest that we're seeing all across our country yeah I mean when you give the when you give the police military equipment don't be surprised when they act like the military of course they're going to act like the military without military training yeah and isn't that horrible there was a town as a matter of fact uh i'm writing an article about it. it's called deadwood south dakota this is the uh this is where calamity jane and wild bill hillcock are buried yeah you don't know about deadwood no you but, know, you've never seen Deadwood? No, I know this, Marcus, but this is what I'm going to tell you. It's 95% white, okay? Uh, it is, but yeah. there was no, uh, there was very little violence and no murders in 2016, but felony drug arrests are up 130%, uh, most of those being crystal methamphetamine and heroin, and it is because their police precincts are unbelievably uh, aggressive. God. And 130, nothing has happened, and it's a town of, I think it was 1,000 people. You've it, really never seen Deadwood. It's the a HBO thousand, show. I saw it, but I don't like, I don't, I don't know. I watched it a little bit. It's fantastic. It's a Shakespearean Western. I don't Shakespearean. I love it. I know. I don't, I don't have, I don't have cable like that. Mm. Deadwood. And I heard they swore a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know why they got to swear so much. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, that, so that's another, that's just a perfect example of what's happening with local police precincts all across the, uh, all across the country. Uh, felony drug arrests up 130%, despite the fact there is very little violence, no murders in 2016. Uh, but these police precincts are so uh, militarized and so ready to go because Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, has emboldened them uh, to do exactly that. Jeff Sessions also, it was February 21st of, of this year, he sent a memo out uh, sort of reversing an Obama administration policy that allowed prosecutors not to seek the full mandatory sentences for drug arrests. Uh, for for whatever the arrest might be, basically gave a freedom to the prosecutors to charge individuals how they felt they should be charged uh, that warranted, you know, whatever uh, charge they believe warranted the, the crime that was that the individual uh, in their courtroom perpetrated. And now Jeff Sessions basically is is strong arming prosecutors all across the country to seek the mandatory minimum sentence for any one of these arrests. And so we're seeing towns like Deadwood, uh, which is a totally peaceful place. And because of crystal methamphetamine and uh, opioids, which is, of course, uh, caused by a huge influx of Oxycontin, large pharmaceutical drugs that a lot of these people uh, get hooked on fentanyl, uh, and uh, can no longer afford, as we saw in Indiana, that had to do a needle share program because everyone uh, because HIV was so uh, prominent. Uh, it's just a multiple, a multi-prong uh, situation 
getting more people behind bars in order for uh, the system, the prison industrial complex and Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the individuals like him to uh, to benefit and profit. And it's not the country that I believe it should be. Never forget that for all of these tough on crime policies, all of these mandatory minimum policies that Jeff Sessions puts into place, he profits from them personally. He gets a bigger house. He gets another car. He is doing this not because he wants to protect Americans, not because he wants wants to make no. this place safer all he cares about is lining his pockets and lining the pockets of the people who pay him absolutely and and the majority of americans don't agree with it this is a survey from the justice action network uh and this was a little survey they did in florida north carolina nevada kentucky uh, missouri and wisconsin i'll just read a couple of them uh our federal this was the statement was our federal prisons house too many nonviolent criminals almost 70 percent of floridians agree 66 percent north carolina 64 percent 62 an average of like 60, the majority of Americans, uh, roughly 65, roughly 70% of Americans agree the federal government is spending too much tax money keeping nonviolent offenders behind bars, and roughly 75% of uh, Americans agree that the main goal of our criminal justice system should be rehabilitating criminals to become productive law-abiding citizens, and roughly 60% uh, or 63% uh, believe the federal government should remove barriers that make it more difficult for released prisoners to find jobs. So the American people want prison reform. So why isn't it happening? Because the people in charge are benefiting from it, Uh, the exact complex that they created. So... um, well, I guess that's kind of fun. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's this week. We get all worked up. Now I'm, I'm sweating. You know, if I start sweating too much, this is this I know. not good. I know. Um, well, thank you all so much for listening. I think that's basic. I'm, I'm sure we've missed I mean, some of the news stories that you've I, been following this week, but yeah. uh, there's a lot There's a lot of stuff we out just, there. We just can't get to everything, man. Uh, one of these days, we'll be able to uh, to do a more regular show, but at this point, uh, maybe, maybe when we're in our 50s, yeah. we, we'll call it our retirement. <laughs> when we just have to do one show a day. Yeah, we just yeah. Uh, so our retirement is getting angrier. Yeah, oh, I can't wait. Oh, I'm going to be so happy. Anger keeps you alive. That's We all know that. <laughs> well, certainly my grandmother will never die. Uh, my, my American grandmother. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and be sure to buy some products if you want to. I Pro- like my products. 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 We got some T-shirts out there, so check those out. Also, the BK for BK campaign is going great. We got our T-shirts in, some buttons and some stickers. So that's going along uh, absolutely wonderfully. I'm learning so much, and thank you for all supporting that. That's BK4BK.com. And let's see, Marcus, anything else? I think that's about it, man. Just uh, be sure to go to CaveComedyRadio.com and listen to all the rest of our shows. That's right. And find Marcus on Twitter, at Marcus Parks. Instagram, the same. Instagram, I am Ben Kissel one And on Twitter, I am at Ben Kissel. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.